All right, welcome back to another episode of the Busted Header Podcast. I'm Chris, aka Not the Fake Webby on Twitter and Infamous Web on Reddit. As usual, I'm joined by the master of referee slander, Jake, who answers to Halbertius on Twitter and Reddit. It's not slander if it's true. Well, it did, mm. all right. So today we're going to be continuing on with the last week of Pistons basketball. We're going to talk about uh, some of our player performances from the week and look towards the week ahead. Uh, so we're going to start out. Uh, the Pistons were two and three since we last talked, and on the year they are four of five. The first game uh, they played since then was a loss in Toronto, one twenty-five, one thirteen. This is a game that always felt out of reach kind of from the start, uh, but that being said, the bench had a pretty good night. They scored 50 points, which is not always a good thing, um, but in this case, it mainly came from Langston and Derrick Rose, who finished with 16 and 10, Langston with 17. Wood and Svee also combined with 9, Svee getting a lot of garbage time minutes in this one, and Thon had 8 as well. As per usual, Andre finished with a solid 21 and 22. Uh, he also chipped in 3 assists as well, but not a whole lot defensively. Uh, they kind of really went at him defensively. Uh, lastly, Luke was pretty ice cold in this game. He got taken out mainly by Siakam, uh, or not Siakam, OG and Anobi, um, and only ended up getting 1-3 was his only basket of the game, but still managed to get 7 assists despite that. Uh, so then we went and we lost in Chicago, 112-106, uh, comeback falling a little short there. Andre continues to have strong season going for 25-24, and 24, 5 stocks. Uh, Rose got 23 and 7 with four stocks and plenty of MVP chance from the Chicago crowd. Got himself a dunk, yep. which was fun. A couple, actually. And also injured himself in this game. So, you know, yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, Christian Wood, 9 and 4, three blocks. Big story for this was that the team shot terribly from three, six of 29 as a whole. Uh, I think Tony Snell is one of the guys who went 0 for 3, I think it was. And really, they were not bad looks. They should have shot better. Uh, and and that's not necessarily a blame thing. Like, the team is just did, you know, the, the team was bad. Sometimes you're just going to have these nights, and I think if they get six more threes out of there, uh, not only do they win, but this probably isn't even close going mm-hmm. down the stretch. So uh, that, that one kind of sucked because they did, I think, actually – they, they probably executed well enough to win this one, and it just didn't work out for them. Yeah, they had a pretty good comeback in that game, but um, the next game against Brooklyn at home um, was an actual win. It was the second night of a back-to-back, too, which was kind of surprising. We went into this game with no Reggie, with no Derrick Rose, and no Tim Frazier. Uh, so we started Bruce Brown at point guard, uh, but that didn't really seem to matter because he finished with 22, Luke finished with 24. Uh, they were the two main guys playing point guard during that game. They had a great effort there uh partially due to i'm gonna say a little bit the people they were playing uh in terms of Kyrie and everyone else uh but to continue the big big reason we did win was andre drummond had an absolutely phenomenal game he had 25 20 and 6 with eight stocks including five blocks it was just a monster to kind of carry us that game and in total i mean he was the best player in the game Kyrie ended up finishing with a 20 point triple double but he definitely didn't look like the best player, and he shot pretty badly from the field for his uh, level, uh, going 8-21 from the field and 0-6 oh and from 3. Just one big key from the Brooklyn game that I really enjoyed is they don't have a shooting big, and so Andre Drummond didn't have to like run around chasing Miles Turner or something around and actually got to like just sit in the paint 
and the difference between that game and like the Toronto game where he had to step out the whole time is night and day and it's so much more fun watching him when he doesn't have to do that we talked about it all summer and we've talked about it ad nauseum but this is exactly the game that shows you know my issues with some of the drop system coverages and all that stuff because Andre Drummond just coasted and he coasted into 25 26 and 8 stocks Mm -hmm. yeah it's something where we're going against someone like a Jared Allen a DeAndre Jordan you know what they're going to bring to the table and that's going to be interior presence and I think this year is kind of starting to show that Andre isn't going to take anything from anyone inside. And the more opportunities we can get for him to be down low, defending especially, I think it's going to be better for the Pistons overall. So something to definitely watch for, especially once we play some of these you know, teams that don't have the stretch bigs. They don't have people that are going to drag him out to the three-point line. Um, instead, let him stay home where he's just a freaking... He's a monster. That's all it is. He's hard to stop down there. All right, continuing on the next game, which I actually had a chance to go to down here in Washington, D.C., was another Pistons loss, unfortunately, against the Wizards. It was a game where just all around of the team, no one shot well. And a game where I think shooting was definitely the biggest factor in us losing, but some of it could also be attributed to some questionable refereeing decisions as well um, in that game. Wood uh, still finished with a solid game. He was draining threes. Um, he ended up with 15 points going 5 of 6 shooting, including th- two threes and two blocks off the bench. Then Andre, of course, continuing with his usual Andre self, his four straight uh, 20 rebound game, and he was five points away from getting his four straight 2020 game. Uh, but in general, just kind of ugly game all around. It wasn't a game where anyone, in particular, on the Wizards, uh, just kind of like blew us out of the water, like a Bradley Beal, where he just goes off. It was just just kind of an ugly game. We couldn't really get anything offensively, and that's kind of how it went. Yeah, it was one of those games where my game notes just said, "I hate this game." Mm-hmm. And uh, that's kind of how it ended up. Yeah, I didn't like it. This was another one where help rotations were a really, really big deal. Uh, Thomas Bryant was, like, getting all hyped and aggressive because he was getting easy shit. And Thomas Bryant should have had technicals for some of the shitty bolts. But uh, it was just one of those things where, like, this is where the Snell Wood stuff really stands out. And it's where... The inability of guys to cover, no single person was able to cover Bradley Beal, and because of it, Andre had to step up, and then you leave easy stuff behind, and all that jazz. So that was, yeah, that game sucked to watch. But then, we go Mm -hmm. back home, we're against the Knicks, we get a nice 20-point blowout, uh, 122 to 102, Tony Snell is literally perfect, uh, nine and nine from the field, uh, six of six from three, 24 points. Uh, he wasn't touched all game. Andre put up the easiest 27 and 12 he's ever put up, uh, seven assists, uh, 12 of 16 shooting, was chasing the triple-double for like the last quarter and probably mm-hmm. a little too much chasing the triple-double, but uh, mm-hmm. who cares? Markeith put up. 22 on 7 and 11 shooting and somehow it felt like he had a terrible game to me because (laughs) he spent the entire game trying to outplay Marcus and I guess he kind of did. That's one of those stat lines where I was like, wait a minute, he had a good game? How the hell did he end up with a good game? Uh, And that's because it was the Knicks. Mm -hmm. 
Luke was also on triple double watch all game 12 9 and 7 uh did not shoot super well it was a game against the Knicks that's the recap yeah. the Knicks are bad and I think we should play the Knicks at least 15 times a season because I like beating up on bad teams yep uh, uh, your game notes there described it perfectly where all it says is <laughs> lads it's the Knicks it's the Knicks yeah but I think especially you you, you kind of hit the nail on the head with the Markeith Marcus showdown because I was watching that entire game. Like, I was really impressed with how Marcus was playing. He was hitting tough shots. He was draining threes. And then I looked at the recap, and I'm like, wait a minute. Markeith outscored him and shot a lot better from the field as well. That was a really confusing back and forth there. But And I, I do agree that you know it was nice to see Andre kind of go out there and try and go for that triple-double. But I felt like he could have gone out a minute or two before that. I felt like we were just keeping him in there just for the sake of trying to get a triple-double, which I didn't. I wasn't really a giant fan of, especially with the health that we've had so far on this team. Yeah, I could have done with a little bit of load management there. I would have preferred to pull him out the four-minute mark when we're up by, like, 25 against the Knicks. Like, we, we didn't need to get the full 40 minutes out of Andre Drummond or whatever he finished with. Speaking of, we're going to roll right into the X's and O's. And first off, I want to talk about Andre, mother. Can we swear on this podcast? Yes. It's actually encouraged. Fucking drumming. My God, man. So since we lost all three of our starting point guards, Reggie, Rose, I mean, it doesn't matter for Dre. He's gone out and got 22 points, 19 boards, 6 assists, and four stocks in those games, which included two big wins where he was the only big player on the Pistons. He was the only star on that team. There's no Blake Griffin. There's no Reggie Jackson. He is it. And in those games, he's finishing with a plus 27 plus minus. And it's, he's the reason that we're winning these games. I, there's other people having great games around him. Snell had a great game last night. There's been a couple other good games, you know, around him, but by and large, he's the reason that we're in these games and we're winning these games. And if it wasn't for him just playing out of his mind, we probably would have gone maybe one and four with a win against the Knicks. Like that is, that's how good he's playing right now. The difference between, you know, a bad player and a good player is good players can have good games. And the difference between a good player and a great player is that the great player always has great games. Mm -hmm. And Andre Drummond has been having great games every game. This whole season, he had one kind of stinker against the Sixers, which is a weird was outlier. But more tiki tack fouls hurt him in that game. He's just been incredible. And other players, we you know, everyone else on the roster that is healthy is a good player. It's somebody who can have a good game every other game. And it's been Andre Drummond who has been the steady contributor, averaging, you know, bullshit numbers mm -hmm. this whole season. Yeah, it's it's awesome. It's so much fun. Yeah. It, it, it's kind of crazy to think about. Right now he's averaging on the year 22-19, three assists and four stocks with no Blake Griffin, period. With Reggie Jackson, what, two, three games where he was injured and barely played? And then Derrick Rose, who, like I said, is his other main point guard and probably a top five or so player on the team, and he's missed a third of those games as well. Like, we're four and five. We're almost 500 with Andre being like our only main positive player and it's absurd and i don't think he gets nearly enough credit and especially looking at some of the the bs that goes down on twitter the last couple of days it's just 
absurd to think the hate that he gets for no reason that I can even figure out. Well, it's just people keep holding him accountable for who he was five years ago. And they think that the guy, and, and it's strange because no one else gets that treatment. If we were, you know, this this is like pretending that Giannis is still like barely a rotation player, you know, looking like Gumby out there. Like that's what that's <laughs> the kind of treatment that Andre Drummond gets. Like people still think he's a bad defender. Right now, Andre Drummond is putting up what I I tweeted it this morning. It's like fifty two point nine percent rim protection percentage. Gobert won Defensive Player of the Year last year with fifty three point two. Yeah. That's how good Andre Drummond has been. And that's a continuation of what he was since about January of last year when everything really clicked for him. Mm-hmm. And yet we still have people being like, oh, he's a bad defender who tries, you know, too hard for blocks and etc." And, you know, it's just this isn't a new issue. He's been held to the same critiques for five years. People still think it's 2014. Especially a lot of the national people are, are spending too much time just looking at just win and loss. And the fact that they're not looking deeper down to see who's playing and see, you know, how great Andre has been and where particularly he, he's doing it, it's it's just frustrating to watch. Just frustrating to hear this national commentary on that. Uh, but hopefully it'll be something that'll change in the future and something we have to stop hearing over and over. Especially with Andre bringing in a contract year. And if he does end up going to another team, which I don't think if anyone that's watching him play and knows the Pistons should be against him leaving. But if he does go to another team, I'm going to hate the renaissance he's going to have in terms of the media eye. And, oh, look at this Andre Drummond. He's playing so good defensively. And look what he can do offensively. It's just, it's just frustrating to even think about how much of a change it would be if he does go to a different team, like an LA I mean, or something. The one team that like people have kind of suggested that makes a little bit of sense, I think, is the Hawks. They have the money. They kind of need a center. And it's like if he went down there with Trey Young and John Collins. Oh, my God. Like, that's already a team people are really, like, irrationally high on because they're fun and young. And Andre would just, the media blow-up would be ridiculous. And it's it's not fair to Andre that he has to take this much shit all the time from people locally, from people nationally, when he's been outrageously good here. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he, he deserves every penny he's going to get this offseason. And I really hope that it's Gore's paying it. Because I want to see him in a Detroit uniform. All right, moving on to another point uh, that's something that's really plaguing, um, I think, the Pistons so far this year has been defensively. We have not been good despite, you know, how great Otter has been playing. I think a lot of it boils down to not having a whole lot of plus defenders around him. What do you think defensively is really plaguing us and something that we need to work on and something that maybe might be better going forward? Well, let's let's be let's let's run down these numbers here. First of all, I just mentioned Andre Drummond is defending the rim at only at an elite level, right? Mm-hmm. I just mentioned that. And yet somehow we're still twenty fifth in paint points in the NBA. Uh, we're still twenty second in defensive rating. Somehow we're twenty fifth in defensive rebounding, despite Andre being the best rebounder in like maybe NBA history. Yeah, and we're seventeenth in second chance points given up, despite Andre Drummond being the best rebounder in NBA. Like, what does that tell you? Uh, it tells you that when Thon Maker and Christian Wood are in the game, we're getting our asses handed to us. Yep. Yep. 
And uh, so it's one of those things where, like, I've been harsh on Dwayne Casey for certain things in the past. I don't know what he's supposed to do here. Yeah. Like, Andre Drummond <laughs> can't play 48 minutes a game. And the minutes he's not playing, we're getting our butts kicked. And that's with the fact that, like, Derek Rose was on that bench unit for a while before he got hurt and was carrying the crap out of him. Uh, yeah, so I don't really know what adjustments you can make at this point because we don't have the personnel to support the things we need to support. Mm-hmm. I will say it's still an issue that we don't have any perimeter defense at all, ever. Yeah. Bruce Brown has ticked it back up a little bit. He really sucked on defense coming out to start the season. Yeah. Um, and he's ticked it back up a little bit. Once he kind of got in the point guard rotation, it felt like he was, uh, it really felt like just getting that kind of touches kept him involved and engaged at a higher level. And that's true of a lot of players. It's really hard not to get the ball and not to be succeeding on offense and to still be good on defense. So mm-hmm. um, that change seemed to have helped him. But like second best defender is Tony Snell, maybe. And like Tony Snell is yeah. a rotational defender. Like that's all he is. He's not an elite defensive player. He just, he's long. He does his thing. Morris has been okay defending the post and bad defending the perimeter. And we don't have other options. So I, you know, I don't know what to do to fix it, but. Yeah, it, it kind of sucks because, again, Andre Drummond has been putting up a Defensive Player of the Year level contribution so far. So who do you want playing backup center minutes? Uh, let's let's say, let's say frame it from when Blake is healthy and Blake comes back. So you got the option to play someone alongside Blake or maybe even play Blake at the center. Who do you want as a center, as a backup center behind Andre? Um, I think the first option is to put a Morris Blake lineup out there and hope that you can rebound because Morris is pretty good at that. Yeah. And that gives you the spacing and all that stuff. I think the most interesting option is a uh, Blake and Christian Wood lineup. Mm-hmm. Blake probably plays the five then. And you're hoping Christian Wood can contribute in help defense. And that's, you know, Blake is not good at the five, but he's better than the rest of your options, which is like really sad. Yeah. There isn't a good option, but the, the hope is that you can find one that kind of the pieces fit together enough to keep you stable in the bench rotation minutes. So I, th- I think the most interesting what is w- one is Wood and Blake because you'll have a guy with energy to rotate and help and protect the rim in Christian Wood. Mm-hmm. And Blake, his biggest issue is that he doesn't have a lot of length, but he is pretty smart about like holding play up and yeah. like stalling the pick and roll out a little bit. And if he can just kind of take up a little bit of space and give someone like Christian Wood time to rotate, then maybe you'll have some success. Yeah, that's still somewhere I think it's just having Blake back healthy and just having someone else who's got such a great uh, NBA mindset and how to space the floor uh, defensively, I think would be a big plus there. Pairing him with, you know, Christian Wood, maybe settling him down a little bit, whereas he's playing right now with Thon and it's just absolute mayhem. So I think having Blake, like you said, at center, uh, I think it's... Him and Wood, I think, will be obviously not nearly what Andre would bring in terms of a defensive rebounding team, but I think it would be a pretty, at least, league average uh, offensive or defensive rebounding team between the two of them. Um, and while I don't think they're going to be pluses defensively, I think they might help slow it down a little bit, points in the paint while Andre is out, just by Blake being that just smart, aware force, knowing where to be, and Christian Wood just kind of being all over the place and being the youthful energy to kind of pair with him. Yeah, a lot of people have brought up the fact that Blake, for his faults as a defender, is a really good communicator. 
Mm-hmm. And that's something that is just clearly missing when people are off the floor, when Andre's off the floor. It's just one of those things. We don't really have a metric for it. Nobody really like says, you know, there's nothing that says how communication impacts defenses. But I think everybody who's played and everybody who's watched oh, basketball yeah. for a while knows that it, it makes a big difference. And so Blake might be able to bring pretty significant improvements just by being able to call things out and having that experience. Yeah, especially with some of the younger guys out there who aren't as experienced in the NBA. I think that'll be a big plus and something that will be a difference when you put him out there versus, you know, like a Thon or even a Markeith who, while being a veteran player, isn't really the most vocal, I'd say, defensively. It'll be something to look forward to, hopefully in the next uh, week or so, which we'll talk more about when he comes back later. Uh, moving on to the other side of the floor, on the offensive end, we've actually been surprisingly well offensively. And something that I think would shock just about anyone looking at these lineups that we've been throwing out there with Bruce Brown at point guard and some of the other odd lineups we've been throwing out there. Uh, we kind of talk about the offense and say, what do you think is going right and why we're somehow winning games offensively despite a very mismatched lineup at point guard and other positions as well. Well, so we have the numbers here. The Pistons are 13th in offensive rating somehow. Uh, they're 10th in assist percentage. They're sixth in ass ratio, which is both a comment on how big Andre's butt is and also <laughs> a comment on how often they assist per 100 possessions. Um, so those are obviously like really good things to have. Um, it's That's something that Dwayne Casey actually like really values is generating assists because that's how you generate threes generally. Mm-hmm. You know, that those Mori balls, threes and shots at the rim are mostly going to be assisted baskets. But they're only 19th in assist to turnover ratio and they're 24th in turnover percentage. So a mm-hmm. big issue they've got right now that's kind of holding them back is the turnovers. Yep. And yet somehow they're sixth in effective field goal percentage and fifth in true shooting percentage. And that's wild that they're actually they improve when you take into account free throw shooting because that's something that you would think they would be bad at because Andre Drummond is their biggest free throw shooter. But he's been holding them high enough that they're doing really well in team efficiency so uh the numbers right now are pretty positive that said i'm not entirely sure how sustainable they are yeah i definitely think there's a little bit of smoke and mirrors because you've told me we're the fifth best team in true shooting percentage i would be absolutely flabbergasted with the lineups we've been rolling out there and it hasn't even looked like i mean in the games that i've watched it doesn't feel like we've shot particularly well some of the games i know like especially chicago and toronto we ended up shooting well despite not having the best games but that just still seems odd to me. But I think the biggest thing is kind of that assisted turnover ratio. And if we can get that down and limit the amount of turnovers that makes easy possessions for the opposing team, then also allows more possessions for us, I think that's going to be the biggest uh, you know, factor in terms of a, an improvement in you know later on in the season. I think part of it, of course, boils down to we haven't had a whole lot of healthy point guards, but that's not the whole, that doesn't tell the whole picture. Because even when Reggie and... Rose especially, were healthy and were playing, they were still turning the ball over at a pretty big amount. I, I think that's something that, you know, maybe once we get into the year, everyone gets a little more comfortable. We have a lot of young players that are handling the ball a lot, so maybe it's something where they're turning it around. And also, Andre is not the best person in terms of controlling turnovers when he's when the ball is going through him. He has a lot of passes where, you know, it's a great look, and then Andre throws them at their knees, and they just can't get to it. So I, I think that's something that I think will be a lot of our, I guess, a big factor in how we play going out for the rest of the year. 
Yeah, it's kind of a strange departure from previous years because the Pistons have generally been very good at turnovers. Mm-hmm. But right now, uh, first of all, you replace Ish Smith with Derrick Rose, and Rose is going to just be, you know, he's, he's a guy who's going to push the limits a little more often. He's going to turn the ball over a little more often than Ish Smith does. And without point guards on the floor, Andre Drummond is handling the ball a lot more, and he's, I think right now he's averaging more turnovers than he is assists. And that's, it's one of those things where yep. it's like, well, that's not ideal, but again, it's Andre Drummond has to manufacture something somehow. And that's kind of the the punishment. And of course, without Blake on the floor, you're going to have, you know, he's a steadying presence as well. I expect the turnovers to improve, but it is it is one of those things where it's very clearly been an issue to the eye test and it's very clearly impacted them. And there's been a couple of games where we might have won games that we were close in if we just corralled some turnovers. So I think uh, I might be misremembering. I think the Philly game is one of them where we were... Oh, yeah. really bad early on and that ended up being a close game that we might have had a chance in so the other thing though is just the the overall team efficiency uh, the true shooting percentage is that high and when you look at the team true shooting percentage you see christian wood is at 73 percent still yeah. like that's awesome and yet you know even if he continues to have a hot year you expect that to drop all the way down to something like 60 Mm-hmm. You know, Tony Snell is at 62%. Derrick Rose right now is at 62% true shooting. Derrick Rose is not going to sustain 62% true shooting when he comes back. Yeah, That's going to drop to 54, 55 probably. You know, Luke Kennard is currently at 61. That might be sustainable if he's still shooting this many threes, but um, he's been doing a lot more playmaking so that, you know, if he's going to be driving and, and doing stuff inside, that might drop a bit. Mm-hmm. Um, Andre Drummond's currently at 60%. He's generally been like 55. Yeah. This might be sustainable because when things come back, he's going to get easier looks. So his, you know, his shot profile might change. But if it changes, it's going to change to easier looks. So hopefully this stays high. But generally when he has to create this much for himself, it plummets. So there's just a lot of unsustainable true shooting right now. Yeah. I will say Andre is going to be the biggest, I think, thing that could fluctuate this season. Because Andre historically has always been not great at the rim. And he's just, a lot of his, of course, due to kind of the people he's been playing around and a lot of the looks that he's gotten. Which in this case, obviously he's not playing with great people around him most of the time, especially with point guards feeding him the ball. But he's still making a lot of these tough shots. And while it's something that we, I think, we definitely expect to regress at some point, it maybe it's just him starting to, he's hitting 26, he's starting to break out and he's starting to get better at it. And he's just... That's something I think will be a good thing to watch going through the year and see if it's something that sustains that level or maybe it regresses even just a little bit. But I think that that, that'll be something to keep an eye on, especially going forward, to see where he's at and see if it's something that'll stay in that ballpark or if it's something that was just a a flash in the pan for a couple weeks when he was feeling himself. Well, he's continued to swap back-to-the-basket looks for face-ups, which continues to help improve that a little bit. He's currently shooting 67% from the line on a five free throw attempts a game, uh, which would be his uh, career best for him. You know, so th- there are some things where it's like maybe there's some sustainable stuff in here, but his true shooting percentage is definitely something to watch because obviously he takes a large percentage of the shots right now. So yep. if it plummets for a stretch, that could plummet the whole team. And obviously it's it's hard to compensate when you don't have other stars around him right now. Yep. But as always, of course, 
Throw Dre lobs. Yes, please. My God. Yes, we need that. Marquise, you had a, you tried it, but it did not go well against the Knicks. But just please, just do it as much as possible. Oh, yeah. It, it took a game against the Knicks for people to realize that the ball can go up and not down. That's uh, Luke Kennard and C. McIlick are two of the guys where it's just like, my God, guys, uh, the ball can go above people. And <laughs> both, both of them are just absolutely in love with the bounce pass, and it's a problem. So hopefully that's something that will change. I feel like with Reggie, when he comes back, that's one of his favorite go-to plays. And Blake as well is pretty good at throwing Dre the lobs. We get more of that. It helps our offense. We win more. Simple as that. Yep. All right. Moving on to the hot and cold segment. So Jake has picked out a couple names for me. I'm going to kind of pick and we're going to go from there. Well, so you get, we're going to give you three players. Okay. You gotta pick a. You gotta pick whether or not you want a hot player or a cold player. So which one do you want first? Do you want a hot player or a cold player? Start off with hot. You're gonna start off with a hot player. All right, Bruce Brown. All right. So all of these stats are per 100. Mm-hmm. So he's currently putting up 15 points, which is not a lot per 100, but seven boards and six assists on only 36, 20, 70 splits. So that's obviously risky, but he's been a plus five which is one of the best marks on the team mm-hmm. over the last five games. All these stats are from just the last five games. Yep. So with Bruce, I, well, I like, what I like about him is that we started off the year, the first time we, we talked after the season started, we talked about how cold he was, and now it's kind of flipped in the other direction. And especially with the way that he's been going downhill with the ball, I'd say, a lot of the motion that we've run, especially him and Andre, is him getting towards the basket. He's been aggressive with that. While he's not the best finisher in that respect, a lot of the times it ends up being a relatively easy putback for Andre or some other offensive rebound that we can get. So I think that's been kind of one of the, the crucial things. And, you know, his playmaking's been good. Offensively, he's looked the part of someone who could play a point guard. So while I think he, of course, just like everyone else on the team, he has had a little bit of problem with turnovers. I'm cautiously optimistic. And as always with Bruce, if he can develop a three, I think he'd be like almost a superstar player going forward with what he can contribute on both ends of the floor. So one of the big things about Bruce uh, that I believe Joe Sinke has talked about, uh, I think he actually talked about it on the Detroit Bad Boys podcast with Laz Jackson and Ben Golker, mm-hmm. is um, they're running really simple stuff when he's been the point guard. They have not asked him to do anything complex. It's mostly just been, please get downhill and find the open guy. And for him to really succeed going forward as a point guard, he's going to have to accept more responsibility and more complexity, but it is definitely really positive that he was able to come out against the nets um, and have the game he did. And then he hasn't been amazing since the nets game, Mm -hmm. but he hasn't failed utterly since the nets game. Um, So just any kind of experience for him in that regard is a really big positive. And uh, he is making, like, he he's one of the guys who will throw Andre Lobs. Yes, he and will. that's great. Throw Andre Lobs 2020, man. All right. Next player, you want a hot or a cold? Well, we got to go cold here. We got to even it out. All right. You're going to hate me for this one, but All your right. cold player is Luke Kennard. All right. Luke's, <sighs> Luke's put up 22.5 points, six boards, and eight assists per 100 on 42, 37, 85 splits, but... He's been one of the team lowest, minus 8.2. So why do you think that is? I think the problem with Luke so far is that, of course, as is expected when you lose a Derrick Rose, when you lose a Reggie Jackson, 
when you don't have a Blake Griffin in the game. He's been asked to do a lot more offensively. And it's something that is not, he's not quite ready for yet. Uh, he's someone who can create off the bench. He can shoot threes, of course, at a pretty great rate. Uh, but when he's driving to the rim, I don't think he's quite figured out his game quite yet. And it's something that when teams uh, are able to put better defenders on him, like we saw in the Toronto game where they had OG and Anobi covering him, you can take him completely out of the game. So I think that's a weakness that I fear might be something we have to see for a while with Luke is that bigger defenders are going to give him a tougher time. And it's something where he's got to go to the James Harden camp of you know the dribble uh, step backs and kind of create that offense and create that space that he maybe hasn't had to do a whole lot um, so far in this point to his career. I would say with Luke, while he is in a pretty good cold stretch, uh, it's a lot of just growing pains. And he's still... He's still making some shots. It's not like he's going ice cold and dropping, you know, three points a game. He's still making some shots. He's finding his way to get to the line as well. It's just he's trying to figure out his role. He's trying to figure out where he's at in this offense and something that when we get some more creators back healthy, I think this will be less of a concern as he gets to pick and choose his places a little bit more. So that was a good shot for you that uh, he is getting to the line a lot more. Over mm -hmm. the last three, uh, three games, I think it is, that we've played without Derrick Rose now, he's getting almost seven free throw attempts a game. Yeah. So that's wow. a big plus. And the big thing is if you look at his uh, quarterly breakdowns since he's had to take on this new role, he's been a plus in the first quarter, the third quarter, and the fourth quarter, and he's currently a minus 11 in the second quarter. Okay. So those you know minutes where he's early in the game, he hasn't really gotten off to a hot start yet, and then all of a sudden he's been handed the keys to an offense alongside Christian Wood and Thon Maker you know, those minutes have been absolutely awful for him. Yeah. And it is one of those things where, like, the OG Ananobi game uh, against the Raptors was awful for him. And he's struggling to figure out how to be assertive and how to create for himself because he's never really had to do it before. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, sorry, Luke, but uh, you get to be on our cold list this week. Well, it worked out pretty good for it worked pretty good for Bruce Brown last week. So, <laughs> uh, lastly, we're going to go, what, hot? Is that who you have left? I got a hot and I got a cold for you. Which one you want? No, give me the cold player. Who else is cold? All right, the cold player is easy. It's Thon Maker. <laughs> Thon, Come on. Thon Maker's putting up 16, 9, and 2 per 100 possessions in real in real per game stats. That is uh, 4, 2, and half an assist. Now, he's had 50, 67, 43 <sighs> shooting splits. That 43 is concerning because basically half of his shot attempts come from the line. And he's been on negative 7.4 over that stretch. So uh, Thon Maker is your other cold player of the week. This is unfair. All I got to say about Thon is that he had a beautiful step back last night. And he made, he got an and one attempt. He got the shot to fall, missed the free throw. I don't, can we switch the hot player? This is not, it's not even fair to talk about Thon. I don't <laughs> think Thon should be in the rotation. He's been awful. <laughs> this should be Christian Wood's minutes when Blake comes back. All right, so your hot player of the week then. Is Langston Galloway, who's putting up oh. 24, 3, and 4 per 100. That's uh, 13, 2, and 2, basically, per game. On 45, 45, 100 splits. In a team high, I think, plus 8 on the, the last five games. Ah, oh, you did, you, ah, you nailed the person I want to talk about here. Langston has been on fire for the past couple of weeks. And there's someone who, we were obviously the biggest fans of him coming into this year, especially at the salary point he's at and the amount of, uh, I guess space he's taken up on the salary cap. But 
boy, has he been hot in the last couple of games. And he's been huge in kind of the absence of Derrick Rose, um, bringing that off the bench scoring. Uh, the notes here that I have is that he put up uh, 13-6 and six last night against the Knicks with a plus 20, which was tied for second on the team with Snell behind Andre's plus 24. So he's been in charge of some pretty big runs in those games that he has played. Uh, since the uh, second Indiana game a couple weeks back, He's had a plus 40, which is second highest in the team as well. Um, he's averaged 20, or 12.5 points a game and even getting a steal as well and shooting at 45% from deep. He has been in fuego, and I feel like it might just be a contract year kind of thing, but hopefully he can sustain, sustain this and we can be able to see a little bit more out of him um, even when Rose is back healthy and Reggie's back healthy as kind of a backup uh, wing. Yeah, he's uh, the big key for me for Langston is he's being aggressive and he's playing his game the right way. He's getting downhill when he should be getting downhill. He's making a few like nice passes. Um, he hasn't shot himself in the foot on his shot attempts. We talked about how he sometimes overdoes his shot prep uh, earlier this year, and that hasn't been an issue for him. He's still defending well enough. He's just played like Langston Galloway uh was kind of expected to play when we signed him he's played he hasn't played this well basically since he was on the kings is that three years ago now yeah. so um yeah it's, it's really nice to see when a role player like lives up to what they're supposed to be and hopefully he can keep this energy and keep going all right beautiful Uh, so moving on to some other notes that are actually better for this week, especially with some news that came out today. So starting off with the bad news um, in terms of roster notes, Reggie Jackson with his back will be out at least another four weeks, so he probably won't be back until mid-December at the absolute earliest. Um, he does have a stress fracture in his lower back, which has been reported by Shams, and it doesn't sound too particularly good there. The, the four weeks time frame is, I'm guessing, when he's going to be reevaluated, and I wouldn't expect him back until nearly the holidays next year, or the end of this year. Uh, so, not really great news there, but on the other side, we do have some more good news for other players. Well, so we got uh, the news today that uh, Blake Griffin is cleared for basketball activities in his day-to-day. Uh, excuse me, that was uh, clearer for basketball activities, uh, poor Duncan Smith. I'm sorry, did... Is that is that a you typing error or was that a Duncan typing error? That's a Duncan typing error. As he was the first one to get it out, but he was okay, typing a little shame too on quick. You, Duncan, he got uh, out first. No shame on Duncan. <laughs> he beat no, Shams. I'm sorry. I'm all about the accuracy over the speed. I'm sorry. <laughs> well, you must not have scrolled down to the rest of the tweet because Derek Rose is also day to day, as with Tim Fraser. So all three are back to day to day. Really? Yes. I am shame. Yep. So we got some great news there. I still wouldn't expect them back. I said last week my hopeful timeline is the Minnesota game for Blake. I would still hope either the Minnesota game or the Miami game, which I'm kind of hoping more on, um, would be a game we see all three of them kind of return and be ready by. But if not, um, probably won't be until either the week after that. We get a little bit of rest days we'll talk about. So I'll, we talk I'll about say this, ahead, though. The, the hamstring thing, you simply can't play with a hamstring that's goofy like once if it's goofy it's going to stay goofy until you let it heal all the way up yep the shoulder they tend to let people come back from while it's still like mid recovery but you play like ass yeah 
So, like, that's Luke. Especially shooting-wise. Luke had that injury to start the uh, the season last year, and everybody remembers how it took him a long time to get back into it. So, um, maybe they're cleared for basketball activities. Apparently they are. But, I like, if Tim Frazier comes back, I wouldn't expect a lot of success early on for him. If, if Rose comes back, I hope it's because everything is totally fine. Because if he plays even on like an 85% good hamstring, the odds of him having recurring injuries are extremely high. Yep, that's something to definitely watch with the hamstring injury. And with Rose especially, someone who's proven to be kind of injury prone in the past, I'm sure they're going to be handling it with kind of kid, kid gloves. So hopefully we got, hopefully he's just feeling really well and he's not trying to rush back or anything like that. Uh, the last note here, um, I'm just kind of combining some of the roster notes and the injury notes we had last week, uh, was that Seku was assigned to the Grand Rapids Drive at the beginning of the month. Um, he's going to spend some time down there, which I think is going to be good for his growth and development. we got to remember, he's only played <laughs> like actual basketball for a couple of years, so any professional experience he can get in terms of an actual game is going to be good for him in his development going forward. So nothing to freak out about. I there. also don't know if he's actually going to be with the Drive much. I think they have to assign him to the drive while they're getting the rosters getting all situated because the the rosters are only just now being solidified. So he may be recalled mm. right away. Okay. Interesting. Didn't know that. All right. So moving on to the rotations. Um, we talked about, of course, Blake going to be coming back soon. Uh, I think that's going to be one of the big question marks is when he is back, of course, in that starting lineup, in that starting role, what's going to happen to the other guys? Because right now we have a lot of people kind of contending for those minutes with Markeith, Christian Wood, and Don Makur. So when Blake comes back, what do we expect the backup big minutes to be? Especially, we already talked about kind of what we think at center, uh, but in terms of power forward, what do we expect to see there? Uh, so I think Morris's minutes are going to be... Of, of the of those three, I think Morris will probably get the most minutes, mm-hmm. and then Wood, and hopefully we never see Thon again. Hopefully, banish him to the shadow realm. So uh, it'll it'll be I think a positional battle between Markeith and Christian Wood to see whether or not they get the opportunity to play next to Blake. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well we'll see. I, I I mean the obvious hope is that we don't have to watch Thon Baker play any more basketball. It would be a beautiful thing, let me tell you. That being said, between those two, do we think it's going to be kind of split for the rest of the year? Or do we think one or the other can run away with it and kind of take hold of that position? If it's split, it's either because Thon like massively outplayed what he's done early on in the season. Well, I'm saying more. I'm saying more Wood and Marquis. Oh, Wood and Marquis. I'm, uh, I'm done. To, I'm done talking about Thon. Okay, thank <laughs> We're God. Done thank with God. it. My suspicion is that Marquis is going to be the first guy off the bench. And mm-hmm. so that he'll be playing 18 to 24 minutes a night and that Christian Wood might get 8 to 12. That's, that's kind of what I expect as well. I'm hoping that Christian Wood can continue to show himself being kind of the younger piece and especially being so energetic off the bench. I hope that you know he can build it. Obviously, not, I don't think he'll take all the minutes from Marquis, but at least being the first guy coming off the bench and be getting a lot of minutes. I think there's a lot to be seen with that, and I'm very curious to see how they work alongside Blake and Andre, or specifically Blake, because we haven't seen those two guys playing next to Blake at this point in the year. Obviously, with Blake being out and them being new signings, so I just think what right now Woods' defense I don't think is enough to convince Casey to play him and Markeith. Again, 
it's weird because every time I watch a game, I think Markeith plays badly, and then I look at the stat sheet, and he's got a decent plus minus, and he's filled up all the <laughs> yeah. boxes, and I know he's the better defender. So I just I assume Markeith is going to be the default guy, and he's more likely the guy who's going to be playing with Blake Griffin because he is the better defender. So if uh, Christian Wood gets minutes, I think they might be the minutes that come when Andre is anchoring the bench unit versus I think mm-hmm. Morris is going to be the default guy when Blake is out there for now. Gotcha. Yeah, I think we've, we've seen in the media so far in some of the postgame interviews, Casey has been pretty loyal to Markeith. Uh, I think it was Koo who asked him in one of the postgame uh, press conferences, you know, why do we see Wood late in the game? And Casey said, because I like living in Detroit. <laughs> <laughs> so I think that kind of proves the point of he, he feels... He trusts Markeith. He feels loyal to Markeith. And it'll require Christian Wood to keep up the great work, especially offensively. And I think mainly it's going to be uh, him showing some something on the defensive end that Casey likes to pair with one of the with Blake to kind of give him more minutes there. So something to look forward to going forward when Blake does come back, hopefully in the near future, please. Moving on to the other big question uh, that, that kind of is going around with our rotation is going to be the backup minutes between on the wing. Uh, right now, we're kind of looking at Langston and Svee. Between the two, and recently, Svee's minutes, they have been kind of trending upwards. Um, I, I know we talked about this a bit before, but uh, kind of give me some defense in Svee and what, what you see in him and why you think he should be getting some of these minutes. Make a case for it. Uh, he's a little bigger, so he can theoretically defend larger players. More than a little bit, I'll say that much. Well, Langston does a really good job defending up a position because he's very strong and mm-hmm. he's got long arms. So, But Svee is a little bigger. He might be the better playmaker between the two when it comes to like handling the ball langston's pretty much the straight line guy i think svi hasn't shown it yet but i think the idea is that svi can do a little more pick and roll play he's Mm -hmm. maybe the slightly craftier guy at uh, dumping the ball off in the paint that kind of thing and he is shooting like 50 percent from three uh right now this season so I mean, obviously, we talked about it in our hot section. Langston's doing awesome. But I think Svi has actually shown out reasonably well. He's had some turnover issues, and, you know, he's definitely had some uh, some stumbling blocks coming out the gates. But this has been a pretty positive moment, especially considering when he was getting minutes with the Lakers last year, uh, Svi did not shoot well at all. So for him to finally be finding right. a shot a little bit is really positive for Svi. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think definitely the big thing is he's been – hitting threes. I agree with you on that. I do want to take a different uh, counterpoint in terms of saying he's he's showing a bit, or he has the potential to show something with, in terms of a playmaker in terms of with the ball. Because while I agree he does have that potential down the road, he hasn't shown it here. And it's not something he necessarily even shown when he was at Kansas. He has not looked great, to say the least, with the ball in his hands. Uh, especially in the last couple of games when he's had these ramped up minutes, he's been throwing the ball away a lot and getting stuck in the air and and not knowing where to go with it. So while it's something that I think that down the road he can definitely improve on and something that I could, I think he has a skill set to be kind of that playmaker with the ball in his hands, it's not there yet. And while I do think that when Blake comes back and he's playing a little bit more off the ball and having the opportunity, he's the kind of guy right now that I want to see just running through screens, kind of that Rip Hamilton role. I think he's got a very good catch-and-shoot ability, and I'd like to see him take advantage of that more than I want to see him you know, going to the basket with the ball in his hands and trying to dump off to someone at the wing because he hasn't quite seemed comfortable doing that just yet. Uh, in that sense, I'd rather have Langston, someone who, like we said, has been hot right now, especially from uh, from the field, 
but really great at driving towards the hole and hasn't had a whole lot of turnovers, which is something that we kind of need with the amount of turnovers we've had from some of our other bigger guys. So uh, while I'm still not in love with, of course, Langston's contract and a bunch of other things, I, I kind of like what he's been bringing to the table so far and hope that you know he can continue playing the way he has, especially recently, um, and getting those backup big minutes or backup wing minutes. I resent you setting me up with the losing side of this argument. I know. I had to do that every once in a while, okay? You made a good case. You made a good shout. <laughs> was... At least we're in agreement on that, then. You can make your case for Langston real quick to even it out while the police go crazy. I don't, I don't need to make a case for Langston. It's already been made. We made it. We had a whole segment on it earlier. Keep talking while the police go by. <laughs> it's incredibly loud outside my house right now. All right, moving on as we kind of continue to close out the podcast here, uh, we're going to talk about the week ahead. Uh, So for the third time this year, we get to play the Washington General, no, the Indianapolis Pacers. Uh, (laughs) We get to play them the third time, this time in Indiana. Um, Well, that was mean. eh. I don't know if the Pacers deserve a Washington General shot. That was was mean. They haven't looked great when we played them, although they did kind of come back and make a game of us, uh, the game I went to. But uh, it's because I know some people that are Pacers fans, and i gotta give a got to give some crap to them since they can't stand anything back here. We continue on. Uh, we do finally get a weekend off before playing again on Monday in Minneapolis. And then, of course, a road back-to-back where we have to go to Miami the following night. Uh, but after that, we do get a couple more days off following that before we play Friday um, at Charlotte. And then a break after that as well. So after a busy, busy start to the season, the Pistons start to get a couple days off um, and hopefully look a little bit fresh, especially with some players going forward. The big key here in this this uh, four-game stretch is that every single one of these is a winnable game. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Probably the most difficult is Miami. Yeah, I would say the Miami and the back-to-back on the road is a tough, tough shout. In isolation, it's a winnable game. In Miami, a back-to-back I don't expect to win that one. But Quick side note. Do we think Miami, of course, known for its great nightlife, mm-hmm. do we think it's better to play a <laughs> back-to-back when the guys do have a chance to go out and have fun the night before? Oh, this When is... they fly in at like 4 a.m.? This is... We need to get those... Uh, who's the... Who are the... I think it's the SB Nation guys. It's uh, Kofi Yaboa and uh, John Bois. I think that's their name. They do like the fumble zone and stuff. Like this is... This is... I need them to do a study on this. That would be this right here. Well, you, I don't, um, I don't that's know. That's a great. That's a great take. Uh, this is partially fueled on Reddit today from seeing the James Harden plays worse in cities that have great strip clubs. So I'm just kind of continuing, just thinking on that today. That's been marinating my head all day today. Oh. maybe it's a good thing playing back to back in <laughs> Miami. It's a great shout. Um, you know, so obviously Indiana is a game like that's going to be, I think, a tight game. They probably aren't going to get punked quite as hard by Andre this time, I would guess. Mm-hmm. Maybe. And when you have two teams that know each other this well by this point, you're going to have some some shake in it. So in Indy, that might be a little d- more difficult than the earlier two. Obviously, you're hosting Minnesota, so Carl um, Anthony Towns has to get his revenge. <laughs> the good news is that even if Carl Anthony Towns wins this time and then wins eight in a row, it will still take him five years to balance the scales against Andre Drummond, mm-hmm. barring the fact that they might go to a finals against each other. You Which know, would be amazing. If that happens, I'll just uh, I'll be okay with it. 
Andre's got a big record here, though. There's there's a lot riding on the cat has never beaten Andre Drummond train. Yep. And then Charlotte is one of those games that's going to suck because playing Charlotte always sucks. Yep. But we'd better win that game because Blake should be back by then. Maybe Derek will be back by then. Maybe Tim Frazier will be back by then. Yeah. Uh, that the, the Charlotte game is the one that's a must-win game. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think during this stretch, it's definitely a time where... At the very minimum, we should go two and two, if not three and one. I think we need to. This should this should definitely be a three and one stretch. I'm a little less confident about the Minnesota game, which we do get at home. I think if we win that one, I don't I don't see us winning in Miami back to back unless you know unless that's a game Blake comes back in or something like that or Rose comes back. So I, I'm hesitant about that one, but I think we could definitely we should have two must wins against Indiana and Charlotte. And I'm hoping we can get another win against Minneapolis to get us uh, three and one on the year, or three and one on that stretch, and back to 500 for the year. All right, take us out with the dedication because you have hidden this from me, much like our audience. So I have no idea where this is going. So normally we dedicate this podcast to a player from the past or uh, a player from the present. We talk about uh, who they are and what they've done for us. Today I want to dedicate this podcast to a disease. To 97.1, the cancer, our local Detroit sports radio station, the official carrier of Pistons game broadcasts. Uh, It's unfortunate that that station gets to feign legitimacy because they're the station officially linked to the team since they are the most abysmal excuse for punditry, reporting, and entertainment that you can find. Uh, And I just want to take a moment to say this to them. Your takes are trash. They've always been trash. Uh, They're ignorant, baseless accusations lobbed by pathetic, spineless disc jockeys at their betters. And the sputum spewed every time y'all choke on a mic is a disservice to fans everywhere. We could almost look past the fact that the cancer spreads a vast amount of time, filleting itself in between drinking its own enemas. But the problem isn't just the drivel that drips out of the speakers, it's the fact that the cancer is in a position to infect so many people that could be participating in good, interesting discussion about the Pistons and local sports. It's that the cancer and their machismal bullshit actively bully and actively inspire other bullies to attack people who don't think like them. It's the fact that they have a platform and they spend every single day pushing people off of it. There are two things I have absolutely zero talents for, willful ignorance and bullies. Uh, Congratulations, 97.1. You've ignominiously ticked both boxes. But it's okay, because in spite of your toxins, the Pistons community continues to build an intelligent, informed group of fans who are able to celebrate wins and commiserate about losses in healthy and fun ways. We've built a community that genuinely likes being around each other, and it's pretty easy to see why you would so jealously attack that when you so desperately want to tear down things you don't have. So here's to you, 97.1, and all of your failures. We can only look good in comparison. Fucking clip that. Put that on Twitter right now. I mean, you've said it very well there, and I'm not going to try and obviously restrate the point that you've already made, but from both sports that I you know, I mainly follow in Detroit, basketball and football, 97.1 is just an absolute fucking disease for our best players. The amount of hate that Andre Drummond and Matt Stafford get mainly spewing from those desperate excuses for radio stations. It frustrates me to no end. That's the word that gets spewed out by all the followers of it, all the people that have nothing better to do but listen to it the entire day. 
and gets permeated throughout Twitter and Facebook and all these other places that should be used for great discussion about the good things about the team and some criticisms about the bad things. Instead, it's just all, oh, Andre Drummond needs to go. He's lazy. He doesn't know what he's doing, all this stuff. For, you know, Matt Stafford, you can't win with Stafford. You know, he's he's terrible. It's frustrating to see this always be the thing that, that permeates. It's, it's just annoying that that's the only thing that people get to get. And it spews over into the national media as well sometimes. Like I said, clip that, put it on Twitter, call it a day, shut it down, let's go home. Do we have anything else we got to say about the pod before we close? Not particularly, no. Um, next week, probably be releasing one around the same time. I'm hoping sometime later in the week. I think this is a decent schedule we can kind of get on. Uh, somewhere on a Wednesday, Thursday, Friday release date. But it'll fluctuate throughout the weeks. Past that, I think that's about all I got for today. All right. All right. Good. I'm exhausted. All right. See you guys later. Peace out. Bye. Today's music was made by Blank and Kit. You can find a link to their music in the description.